I am his own. What is there better in this world than that? Nothing. Let's turn in our Bibles to Psalms chapter number 51 this morning. Psalms chapter 51. I'm nervous this morning. I, I, I don't get to stand a lot in front of the, you adults, I stand in front of those wild, rebellious teenagers. Uh, but no, I, I feel unworthy to, to, to stand here and to preach God's Word. And, uh, it's a, it's a great responsibility. And, uh, I want God's will to be done. I want God to work in, in our hearts this morning. So, uh, turn to Psalm chapter number 51. Let's read together. We'll start in verse number one. <clears throat> the Bible says in verse one, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me throughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. And take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways. And sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. Thou God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips. And my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifice of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. And then they shall offer bullocks upon thine altar. Let's pray together this morning. Father, Lord, I'm so uh, grateful to be able to stand here and to preach your word this morning. God, I could be I could be anywhere this morning, but I'm here. Lord, I thank you so much for that. Lord, I need your help as I preach this morning. I can't do it in my own power and in my own ability. But God, it's my greatest desire that you speak to our hearts and that you draw us close to you this morning. Lord, use your word to touch within the depths of our hearts and let us be drawn so near to you, Father, that we seek after you to serve you and to be totally given to you in every area of our life. Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I, I study this, I, 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 it's hard to, to read something such as Psalm 51 and, and not really examine your own life, you know, and, and the, the Lord, he, he really, he really touched upon things and made me in many ways feel so very convicted as some areas of my life that I need to work on. 
I say this morning, I, I don't want anything more in this world but to give everything to Jesus Christ. That's what I want more than anything for, for myself, for my brothers and sisters in Christ, for my children. So Lord, help us this morning to preach on this. I want to preach this morning on responding to sin. Most Christians will at some point face the shame and guilt of allowing some measure of sin into their life. As King David shows us, the weight of sin and the life of a believer is heavy and harmful to our fellowship and our service for the Lord. By his example, we're encouraged to repent and to seek God first. So we look at the background of Psalm 51. If you are a student of the Bible, you're familiar with the great sin in which David had committed and when he had committed adultery with Bathsheba and those things that followed. And we'll touch on that Um but David here, he was brought to such a great point of guilt and of shame for his sin and the separation of his fellowship with God and what that does that, that I think that it is a great example for us as Christians to look at because we know that we are a, we are a faulty creature. We're a sinful creature. Even though we've been born again, given a undeserved salvation from God himself, Yet we still struggle with sin. Yet we still find ourselves in positions of frustration with ourselves and our own shortcomings. We can look at this psalm and we can see that David, even he himself, had to deal with this. I, I noted two sides here of David that I want us to look at. Um, one is, is David's desire to God and then the other one is David's desire to himself. And I think as Christians, we can admit we find ourselves in that place, do we not? Listen, I, I love coming in here to God's house. I love singing the songs. I love leading the choir. I love ministering to the young people. But I, I continue to find myself so frustrated with me sometimes. I mean, if I'm to be honest, I get so so put out with me sometimes because I want to give more to the Lord. I, I want to do to do better. And, and if I was to be honest, where I was Ten years ago when I started ministry, God has brought me so far, but I, I want more. I want to give him more. So we see first here, David David was devoted. I wrote I wrote some verses down here. First Samuel chapter 16 and verse 1, it says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn, Samuel, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. David, he was chosen, he was submitted to God's will as a young man. He, that he was submitted to God's purpose for his life. We also see in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 32, when Brother Toby preached a little bit about this last week on, on tackling the giants in our life. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant, talking about himself, will go and fight with this Philistine. David was a faithful man. He was chosen, he was submitted, he was faithful to the Lord. We also see in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14, But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be a captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. That We see here David's uh, uh, very famous title of, of being a man after God's own heart. Shouldn't we all have that desire to be to be after the Lord himself in all things in every moment of every day? Does he not deserve every second of our day, every breath that we have, every beat of our heart? Does Christ not deserve it all? Absolutely. He deserves everything. Uh, some of you could think back to what you used to be. 
where you could be today. Uh, every single one of us deserve nothing more than hell. But look at us this morning, worshiping a living Savior here in His house, experiencing His love. What a wonderful thing. David, there's so many things that we can look at. And this is a short list, but these are very admirable qualities of any believer to have, to be submitted to God and faithful in all things and to, to seek after the Lord and be after His heart. But then we see the other side of David as well. We see the sinful side of David. Second uh, Samuel chapter number 11, verse 2 through 4, it says, And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was a very was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman. And, and, and one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David uh, said to the messengers, took her, sent the messengers and took her, and she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. We see here that David, he was, he had sin in his life, and that he entered into a adulterous relationship. We also see if we review verse three again, where it says David sent and inquired after the woman. They asked this question. They said, "Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife?" of Uriah the Hittite. Just in the act of adultery itself, it made him a thief. He took what was not his. He stole what did not belong to him. It belonged to another man. And then this, set, this sin led to more in 2 Samuel eleven fourteen and 15. And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter saying, Set ye Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retire ye from him that he may be smitten and die. What a low, low, low place for a man to reach. That he enter into an adulterous relationship to steal and take what does not belong to him and then to try to cover his sin with murder. Down in verse 23 through 27, it says, The messenger said unto David, Surely, this is after the battle, Surely the men prevailed against us and came out unto us into the field and we were upon them even unto the entering of the gate. And the shooter shot from off the wall upon thy servants. And some of the king's servants be dead. And thy servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. Then David said unto the messenger, Thus shalt thou say unto Joab, How, how just lowly is this? Let not this thing displease thee. For the sword devoureth one as well as another. Make thy battle more strong against the city and overthrow it and encourage thou him. And when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband. And when the morning was past, David sent and fetched her to his house, and she became his wife and bare him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. David was a deceiver. He was a liar. I mean, for, for him, the, the king of Israel, to just respond and say, well, the sword devoureth one as well as another. When David knew in his heart that he was the one guilty of this, that Uriah would not have been dead had it not been for him sending him into the forefront of the hottest part of the battle. But he himself made this decision and then he, then he acts flippantly as if it's just a part of battle. What a, what a terrible position that David had found himself in in his life. We see out of this list the wickedness that any of us are capable of. Although we may not be guilty of the same sin as David, we are not above committing such sin. 
Likely at times we have allowed some form of sin to disrupt our fellowship with God. In this psalm, verse, or chapter 51 that we read, is David's repentance for his sin before the Lord. We, to understand this psalm, we really have to understand where David had gotten in his life. And a warning to all of us as believers, although that we have been bought with the price of the blood of Jesus and that we, that we have been born again and forgiven and that we are heaven bound, we still deal with this flesh. We still deal with sin. And we have to keep it under subjection. We have to die daily. We must overcome it or it will overcome us. A, a preacher that was very influential in my young uh, life and ministry getting started told me that that the flesh and the spirit within us is like two dogs fighting one another. The one you feed the most is the one that will always win. If we don't feed the spiritual side, if we don't enter into the word of God and surround ourselves with fellow believers and 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 seek after God as, as hidden treasure, as the Bible tells us, then we'll find ourselves giving into the things of the flesh. And although it may start with the smallest of things, it can lead to the greatest and you find yourself in the same position that Uriah did. The jails are filled this morning with people that never expected to end up there. They're filled with people that just started with a little something and then ended up in a terrible position this morning that would that would be so happy to get out of there. So I've got a handful of things that I want us to look at in this chapter uh, this morning. The first thing I want us to look at is David's initial request that he makes in this repentance. of Verse number 1 and 2, read it with me again. He says, to, he's talking to the Lord, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me throughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. He makes here an appeal to the Lord for mercy because he knows that he's one of God's. He belongs to the Lord. Now, have we not all been in the position before in which as even as saved people, of course, when we get saved, we're in this position. But even as born again Christians, sometimes crying out, "Mercy, Lord, mercy! I, I shouldn't be here again, but here I am, Lord. I here I am again, struggling with this sin or that sin. And although I, I desire so much to be just like my Savior, I find myself in some way being lazy, or I find myself in some way." giving into sin or not sharing the gospel as I should and focusing too much on the things of this world. God, I don't deserve anything from you. Have mercy on me because, Lord, I belong to you. He was appealing to him because he was one of God. Uh, I must say it, it no doubt pricks God's heart when we reach out to him. God loves mercy. He loves to extend his mercy. God loves us greatly. There's not a single one of us that are deserving of it. And as a father, I can say when my children come up and they... They, they ask for forgiveness or they, they sometimes it's just a no, daddy. No, no. It, it, it pricks my heart because, yes, there's times that they greatly deserve discipline. But sometimes I can see that they recognize what they've done and they just want a little bit of mercy. And we, we reach out to the Lord and David, his request first was, God, please, Lord, please give me mercy. We see also a seeking of forgiveness. He mentions three. He mentions it three different ways here. He says, uh, "He says uh, to uh, blot out my transgressions, wash me throughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin." I made note here of the it, it, the word of God could have said, "Blot out my sin, wash me throughly from my sin, 
cleanse me from my sin, but it says specifically transgressions and iniquity. And transgressions is a suggestion of rebellion, a rebel heart that we all still have. That we that even though that we that we are totally given to the Lord and that we our desire, the spiritual part of us, the new man, the new creature in Christ so greatly wants to give give him everything that he deserves. We're still rebel hearted, fleshly creatures. And David's saying, God, I, I blot out my rebel heart and iniquity of a twisting or perverting of the truth that David knew that he had broken of the Lord. Have you ever justified doing something that you knew displeased the Lord? Well, I know that this, I, you know, in your heart it's wrong. But you think, Lord, I just, I know I should, I know you put on my heart to talk to that person that I work with. I know, Lord, I know they're going to die and go to hell. I know that they're lost. God, I'm so tired. God, they hate me. We make excuses for ourselves and we twist what we know is right. And David was ashamed of this and asked the Lord also, cleanse me from my sin, my disobedience. God, my outward disobedience to what your expectation was in my life. David was in a, a, a greater place as far as his responsibility than we are. And for him to go and to acknowledge all of this to the Lord, it shows that he truly desired to repent for what he had done. He needed God's forgiveness. He says also for the washing. He wanted God to wash him of his thoughts and intents of his mind and in his heart the, uh, of his lack of focus of where it should be. This world has a way that the devil is very uh, uh, conniving in his ability to make these temporal things of this world seem so important to us. But it, when at the end of the day, your career does not really matter. It's important it's God's way of offering provision in your life. But it's not going to matter in eternity. It's not going to matter. There's so, we, get, we get caught up in these things and sometimes we need to get down before the Lord and say, God, wash me throughly, in and out, top to bottom, all over, so that my eyeballs are focused on nothing but you. And on the spiritual things and on the eternal things, Lord. Help me, Father, to look to Christ, my Savior, and for cleansing, to be made righteous before the Lord. We're, praise God, blood, uh, washed in the blood of Jesus. When God looks at us, the born-again Christian, He sees the blood of Christ on us and the cleansing of all of our sin. We ought to be thankful for that. So when if we have times of sin, our, our first response is to make the same type of request that David made here. But then also we see an acknowledgement from David. Look at verse 3, it says, For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. He made a confession. Listen, we can't get, we can't, uh, get uh, repentance, forgiveness without confessing to God what we have done wrong. And if we think that we're hiding anything from God, we're wrong. It, 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 listen, when, when we go and we get down on our knees and we pray and we confess sin to the Lord, we ought not be general, but we ought to be very specific because God knows the detail even more than you do. We ought to lay it all out. Uh, we ought to let them uh, lay it all out. It reminds our heart of just how wicked that we were in our actions and in our sin. A confession of sin 
but then also the shame in which that it brings. He says, my sin is ever before me. How great the conviction of the Holy Spirit is in our life when we sin and disobey God. To bring that in and to show us what we have done wrong and the weight and the heaviness of that is more than we can bear. He acknowledges that this is more that he could take than to bear this. I mean, imagine David murdering, adultery, stealing another man's wife, trying to cover it up, lying. The king. What a heavy weight of sin that was on him. But then he mentions here in verse number 4, he says, Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. David acknowledges first that his, his sin firstly was against God. Your sin affects the people around you. But your sin first offends a holy and, and righteous God. We have to acknowledge that, that the sin that is in our life, yes, it does affect those around us. Yes, it can destroy lives and relationships. But it ought to first break our heart that we've broken the heart of a mighty God. That we've disobeyed Him first. And this is an acknowledgement of David. He acknowledged also the judgment of God. He says that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. David's acknowledging God. You could judge me and I deserve every bit of it. Every one of these things brought before me, I am guilty of. I'm deserving of death, of hell. He acknowledges that God is a just God. You know, that reminds me just how good God is to us. Because I, I know me. Listen, I can't look in your mind and in your heart, but I know me, even in my greatest efforts to try to serve God, that my righteousness is still as filthy rags. I can only make so great of an effort for the Lord. If anything's going to be gained, it's going to be because of Jesus Christ and not because of Carrie Beale. I cannot do anything of my own power or ability, but it is Christ alone, Him alone, His ability. So in my life, what I see is God's goodness because I don't deserve a thing from Him. My wife, my children, all of you in my life, this church, none of this do I deserve. God is a, it would be just to give us what we deserve and to give David what he deserves. He acknowledges God's just judgment. He also acknowledges here his sin nature. We talked a little bit about this, but he says in verse 5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. He was not saying that he was con, uh, conceived by a uh, relationship that was sinful, but he was just speaking of his natural uh, state of man, that he was, a sin, that he was born into sin a curse in which we all enter into. We, we are all born sinners. Uh, uh, we, we, you don't have to teach a child to sin. He or she can figure it out on his own. That's how we come into this world as natural sinners. And David was not excusing himself here, but he was showing just how lowly he knew he was before a holy God. He wasn't excusing himself. But he also, he, he acknowledges too of God requiring godly living to give wisdom and, and for leading in his life. Verse 6, he says, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. I, David's heading in the right direction here because he is re, he's reached out to God and he has reached out for the Lord's mercy and forgiveness and he has acknowledged his sin. He's acknowledged the holiness of God is undeserving. But, he, but here he's starting to look beyond and see that not only do I need forgiveness, not only do I need your help, Lord, I, I can't even make good decisions moving forward. I can't even live right going forward from here 
if it's not for you doing this in my life. He recognized that it's not about just him making his own decisions for himself, but he begins to desire again to get back in fellowship. God, lead my life. God, take me in the right direction. We see David's desire for a renewed fellowship and service. Look at verse number 7. He says, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. To purge with with hyssop, if you look further in the Old Testament and the Levitical law, it was used in the cleansing of a leper with with cedar and with scarlet. And and it is a picture of uh, of cleansing of uh, disease and of deadness. And David's saying here, I've had disease that I've let creep in. I've had deadness in my life, God. I need you to purify me and cleanse me. Listen, you may be sitting here this morning thinking, Brother Kerry, I don't have any type of great sin in my life. I'm not just preaching about great sin you may have in your life. I'm saying even if we're just dead in what we're doing for the Lord, even if we're just allowing the disease of laziness to creep in, then we're not giving everything that Jesus Christ desires out of our life. We ought to, like David, ask God to purchase with hyssop, to cleanse us and to remove this deadness from us so that we can be alive in the community. I've said before when when I've had the opportunity to preach that I want Walridge Baptist Church to be a light in this community. People need to look here and see that we are alive, that we worship a living Savior, that that He is coming back and that we are going out and telling a lost and dying world the good news of Jesus Christ. We don't, we ought to, there ought to be none of us born again in here that desire any type of deadness or disease in our life. He also, he also shows here that he has been miserable, but he does desire joy again in verse number eight. Look at what he says here. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. When I was a teenager, when I was 13, I got saved and at about 18 years old, I got out of church. I had a pity party. I looked at myself and I got out into sin. And let me say, I can relate to this of the broken bones in which David is referring to here. That feeling of brokenness, that that feeling of just uh, of knowing that you are a child of God and that he just he's just saying, come back. But yet we've we've got out. We've got messed up. But that God will still he'll heal that broken those broken bones and and what he wants is he wants joy. He says, make me to hear joy and gladness can only be found in the Lord Jesus through uh, through our relationship with him. He sees here. He, he says here he, he desires to have a clean heart and to renew a right spirit. Verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. We know if you've been saved that there is no leaf we can turn over. We can't pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. There's nothing that we ourselves can do. Only God can do it in us. But He wants to do it in you. He wants to create in you a clean heart to draw us near. But we have to be willing and submitted to do that. We have to be yielded to Him in our life. Also, asking to remain in God's service. I like this. He says in verse 11, Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Now, we're not talking about an indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We're not talking about the, the uh, of Him losing salvation. But He's talking about the position in which God had put Him in as King. And He did not want to be removed from His service. 
that God had put him in. He says, God, you've given me this responsibility. You've given me, you've given me this field in which I'm to be in. God, please don't remove me from it. As Christians, each of us have responsibilities of the Lord. For, for me right now at 2021 on May, whatever it is, 16th, is to be right here. I don't know what God has for me for the future. God has something for each of you as well. In some capacity, we all serve the Lord. And David, his fear here is that God would use someone else instead of him. God will always find somebody willing if you're not. And that ought to put a fear in us. That ought to give us a reverential respect for God, knowing that he will have his will done. And we can either get on board with him or he's going to find somebody. That's a scary thought if we really consider it. And David knew this. He wanted to remain in God's service as king. And in verse 12, he says, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Let me tell you, this world never gave me anything. There was no joy that this world offered me. It may, anything that sin offered me, as the Bible says, was for a season. It was temporary. And then it came to an end at some point. But what Christ has given me is He's given me a godly wife. He's given me uh, children that love me. He's given me a church family. He has given me uh, salvation and a reason to live. Nothing that this world can offer you. Uh, this morning in Sunday school, I was teaching the young people on being content and learning to be content. And our world is filled with people that think the only happiness they can find is out of material things and what gain they can get. And they get one thing and then they find they're not happy with it. And they go after the next thing and they find they're not happy with that either. Or, or they might uh, they might give themselves into alcohol or into drugs or into some type of relationship, ungodly relationship. But the only satisfaction that we can find in life is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And He is enough. He is more than enough. So David has this desire for renewed fellowship. And then we see a commitment from David. Look at verse number 13. He asked God for all these things. And then he says, Then will I teach thy transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. He's committed here for those that don't know God to learn about God and know God. If you have sin in your life, if you're lazy about your Christian faith, you will not be effective in sharing the gospel with other people. If, you're, if you need to get yourself right, it's going to be hard for you to be used of the Lord. If you are not a clean vessel, then again, God will find one to use. He's not going to use the dirty vessel. He loves you. He wants to forgive you. But he will find somebody to do his will for him. And David desired again, God, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Forgive me for my sin. Put my mind and my heart where it ought to be on you again, Lord. And then I will go out and others will learn about you because it's so good, I can't keep it to myself. To go out and to share with others. Let me say, we ought to always be looking for opportunities to tell others about Jesus Christ. Brother Fred made a very good point when we were driving to go putt-putt on Friday night that he had, he had talked about this church is for us believers. It's for us to gather in here and to worship God together. And we're to go out and to share the gospel and bring them in. Right? I think sometimes that we get so caught up in the excitement of coming in here, singing to the Lord, worshiping God, that we just leave it up to Brother Toby. Hopefully somebody lost walks through the back door and gets saved. And that... That does happen, and praise God for it. 
but we ought to be going out and looking for people in the workplace, looking for our neighbors, looking for anybody God puts in our lives to be actively sharing the gospel with them, to bring the unbeliever to God. David also, he's committed to public praise. Verse 14 and 15, uh, 15, Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, Thou God of my salvation and my tongue shall sing aloud of Thy righteousness. O Lord, open Thou my lips and my mouth shall show forth Thy praise. Here we have David, his admitting that God, when You're so good to me and, and I see You working in my life, I just cannot keep it to myself. I just got to share it with other people. When I was young, I remember there would be some older folks that it seemed like all they did was talk about the Lord. And I was not very, uh, uh, I may not have been saved yet, or maybe I was very young in my Christian walk. And I didn't understand why it seemed like everything they talked about was always about the Lord. But that's where their heart was. That's where their focus was. And they desired that others would know because they wanted to sing aloud the praises of the Lord. David talks here also of heartfelt worship. Look at verse 16 and 17. He says, for thou desirest not sacrifice, for else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. God instructed for sacrifices to be done. But David is saying here that thou desirest not sacrifice. David here is talking about the condition of the heart during the sacrifices. Listen, you could have gone and made sacrifice, but just done it as tradition, just go through the motions. But God was looking at the heart of the person that was doing it. You can come in here every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, with Bible in hand and sing the songs. But if your heart's condition is not looking for God to work in your life, then it's not pleasing God. We have, to, we have to actively engage in our worship, come here looking for God to do a work in our life and in the work of those around us. And David, he recognized that it is a condition of the heart that must be dealt with. God's not satisfied just with the, the uh, vain repetition and tradition that man can bring. But what he wants is he wants heartfelt worship from each individual. And then we see here lastly, and I'm, I'm done, I'll just make mention of this. David, we see his heart for his nation. 18 and 19 says, Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then they shall offer bullets upon thine altar. altar. I wrote here, The rippling effect of spiritual restoration is to desire the same for your community at large. Not just, not, not just repenting of our sin if we're a Christian and have allowed sin in our life, but even when we... A Christian that is living in the will of God cannot help but want the same for those that are around them, for want the same for, for their community at large around them to have the same thing. We need today revival in our nation. We need it in, in our local community right here. Churches have gotten away from the Word of God. They've gotten too caught up in just the, uh, the experience that they have. And what we need is, is strong men and women that are willing to live according to the Bible and to go out and share it with others. So David had this heart for his nation. So as I began preaching, obviously I was emotional. I spent time in study with the Lord about this. He pricked my heart in some areas. I desire, I, 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 my desire is that he has shown some things to you this morning about, again, just how faulty we are and that if we are not making our greatest effort every day, then we're not making really much of any effort at all for the Lord. Let's bow our heads.
We'll get ready to close as a piano player comes up this morning. Let me ask you this morning to examine your life. Have you allowed in your life any place for sin? Do you need to respond as David did and seek forgiveness, restore fellowship with the Lord? Maybe you have somebody that that maybe you yourself are living exactly how you ought to be living, but you know plenty of folks that are not that need to get right with the Lord. It's an opportunity for you to come play this morning. Melissa, you can play as soon as you're ready. Please come down. This altar is open for anybody. Thank you.